There is no greater love than this, to lay your life down for others. What is love then? It's not a feeling, but an action. We choose to love daily. We see Jesus demonstrate love by washing feet, healing, feeding, clothing, and ultimately sacrificing. How do we reflect Jesus' love then? It's a choice. It's something that requires us to be intentional with others. We think of others and their needs and how to fulfill them. Jesus demonstrated how to love, even to the extent of laying his own life down. This is the ultimate act of love. Why? Because his love for us surpassed the pain and suffering he endured. He chose to love us. He chose to serve us. And he chose to lay down his life for us. There is no greater love than this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. It was now about the sixth hour. And there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light faded. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. The Son of God was dead. Such depth of love that would motivate the king of kings to step from his throne in heaven, put on flesh and walk among us. Fully human and fully God, Jesus' 30 years of life and three years of public ministry now culminating in his brutal death on a cross for God so loved the world. Just a few hours earlier, Jesus was reclining at the table with his apostles, enjoying one last meal. Now he lay dead in a borrowed tomb. For God so loved the world. What indescribable pain and agony he endured, the sinless Savior of the world dying for the sins of mankind. Falsely accused and arrested, the creator of the universe stood naked before his captors. They blindfolded him, belittled him, spat upon him, ripped out his beard, struck him across his face and taunted him. For God so loved the world. In the early morning hours, Jesus, battered, bruised, dehydrated, and exhausted, was brought before Pilate, who ordered that he be scourged with hands tied and body bare. The Roman legionnaire steps toward him with flagrums in hand. With the full force of their might, they brought down the leather throngs laden with lead and bone across his shoulders back and legs. In alternating fashion, the soldier's whips pierced his flesh, embedding the lead anchors and bone fragments into the body of Jesus Christ. As the whip was pulled away, his flesh lay torn and shredded. For God so loved the world. As the blows continued, the whips dug deeper revealing the muscles beneath his flesh. Blood poured from the capillaries and veins of his skin and spurted from his arteries. Finally, with the skin of his back, chest, and legs hanging in long ribbons and Jesus near death, the beating ceased. 
for God so loved the world. Then as if the beatings were not enough, the Roman soldiers draped a robe across his broken, bleeding body and pressed a crown made of long, torturous thorns into his brow. Now unrecognizable, Jesus, the Messiah, stood silently in a pool of his own life-giving blood for God so loved the world. After mocking him and striking him across the face, his captors tore the woolen robe from his back. Immense pain pierced his body as the blood which had coagulated and embedded into the woolen fibers of the robe tore open the deep wounds that had temporarily bandaged. For God so loved the world. The cross member upon which Jesus would be nailed was thrust upon his shredded back and the journey to the place of the skull began. As Jesus stepped from the shadows onto the crowded street, those within view of the Savior of the world were struck with the horror of his unrecognizable, even seemingly unhuman appearance. How could anyone endure such a beating and willingly continue his journey to Golgotha? For God so loved the world. Weak from blood loss and dehydration, Jesus' body gave out. The humanity of Christ on display for all to see. Simon of Cyrene was tasked with carrying Jesus' cross the final few steps to the hill called Calvary. It was here that Jesus endured the pain and torment of the cross, the abandonment of those he'd love, and most terribly, the forsaking of his father. For God so loved the world. With one final gasp, the author of life cried out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. His work of redemption complete, the Son of God breathed his last. For God so loved the world. We have gathered together today to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I don't know what you bring in this room with you. I don't know what burdens. I don't know what pain. I don't know what heartache. I don't know what hurt. But I do know this. You have a Savior who loves you. You have a Savior who endured the cross for you. And you have a Savior that wants to forgive you and accept you and receive you. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 3. We're going to read verses 16 through 21. I dare say that John 3, 16 is the most well-known verse in all of Scripture, but the most underappreciated verse in all of Scripture. We're going to read it, and then I believe John reveals to us in this, these few verses, I think he gives us four life-altering truths. John 3, starting in verse 16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment The light has come into the world and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light 
and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Here's the first life-altering truth that I see in this passage, and it's this, the unsurpassed love of the Father. For God so loved the world. Let me ask you a question, take you back to your dating days. Did you ever have somebody say to you, I love you so much? And you're caught and captivated by that statement that somebody could love you so much. Yet as the relationship continues, you quickly realize that it's not so much about their love for you as it is about what they can get from you. It's conditional. It's not unconditional. It's all about them and not at all about you. Not so the love of the Father. God sent his son. God proved his love by sending his son, his only son, as a substitutionary atonement for your sins. C.S. Lewis said it well. He said this, the son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. Contrary, my friends, to what the world may teach you, Jesus is our only hope. There is no salvation outside of Christ Jesus. In chapter 14 of John's gospel, the gospel that we're reading right now, Jesus is preparing his disciples. He's about to head to the cross, be buried in a tomb, be resurrected and ascend to his father in heaven. And he is tasking them with carrying the gospel message into the known world. And there's confusion And there's concern, the Savior of the world, our Messiah is going to depart. And Jesus says to them, oh, no, listen, if I go, then I'll come again and I'll receive you unto myself so that where I am, there you may be also. But doubting Thomas looks and says, but Lord, we don't know where you're going. And Jesus says, oh, but you do. For I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus, my friends, is our only hope. Jesus' death was all sufficient to pay your sin penalty on the cross. Nothing more needed but the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing more. The Father sent the Son. And the Son, in obedience to the Father, came. He came willingly. He gave his life for our sins of his own accord, of his own desire, Jesus Christ stepped out of heaven knowing that his death would satisfy the righteous wrath of God, and his death alone would satisfy that. Puritan preacher Thomas Brooks says it like this. Our sins are debts that none can pay but Christ. It's not our tears but his blood. It's not our sighs but his sufferings that can testify for our sins. Listen, Christ must pay all or we are prisoners forever. All all across our globe this morning, there are people that are preaching, there are pastors that are preaching, there are people that are teaching a false Christ. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is your only hope. There's nothing outside of Christ. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't buy your way into heaven. I don't care if your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. It only takes one deed to send you to hell. 
God loves you. So it's this unsurpassed love of the Father displayed in the obedience of his Son that leads to man's unmerited favor before God. That's the second life-altering truth that I see in this passage. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Verse 16, whoever believes in him should not perish. Verse 18 says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, he says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Listen to me. Christ's coming was to set men free. Christ came to set you free, not to condemn you. It's not about the condemnation of sinners. It's about the redemption of sinners, the reason Christ came. Listen to me, friends. We stood condemned before Christ ever stepped out of heaven. We inherited a sin nature from Adam. So we stood condemned before Christ stepped out of heaven. Listen to me. There's not a one of you present in this room that probably would not have taken of that fruit from that tree in the garden. And I know there's not a person present here today, me included, that, that steps into this room without sin. We are all sinners. We are all condemned. We are all in need of a Savior. So Jesus' coming didn't reveal our condemnation. Jesus' coming addressed it. What you and I deserve is eternal damnation. But what Jesus offers is unmerited favor. Unmerited, and then you can't earn it. You don't have to earn it. Jesus earned it for you by his death on the cross, and he offers it to you freely. Really, here's the hard, honest truth about you and I. We can't, we can't, we can never atone for even one of the sins that we committed. Not one sin could we atone for. But God, in his unsurpassed love, sent his son. And Christ, because of his unyielding compassion for you, died a cruel death on a cross in your place for your sins. And now he offers you his unmerited favor. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11 say this, For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. But one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son much more. Now that we are reconciled, shall we, re, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation.
I have a question for you all. Do any of you know when or where you will die? Doubtful. If you could, would you want to know when and where and how you would die? I would not. Jesus Christ stepped off of his throne in heaven. He put on flesh 100% God and 100% man. And he knew exactly when he would die. He knew exactly where he would die. He knew exactly how he would die. And he knew exactly why he would die. And that's for you. Jesus knew. Jesus knew every day of Jesus' life. He knew the how and the where and the when and the why of his death. And every, every day to his last breath on the cross, Jesus never relented. He loved you that much. Jesus never said no to the Father. He loved you that much. Jesus always and completely obeyed the Father's will. John 6, 38 through 40 says this, for I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I shall raise him up on the last day. So absorb these truths. Jesus, forsaken by those that he loved, alone and abandoned, having endured unimaginable pain physically, mentally, and emotionally, was nailed to a cross and died a horrific death to pay your sin penalty and mine. And in return, he doesn't come seeking revenge. He doesn't come to you in anger. He doesn't approach you condemning. He comes to you with compassion. He comes to you with unmerited favor. The unsurpassed love of the Father, encompassed in the unmerited favor of His Son, culminating in the unimaginable gift of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Those who believe will not perish. Those who believe will be given eternal life. You know, it's beyond comprehension that Jesus would even chase after me. It's beyond comprehension that Jesus would love me because I know me. It, it, it would be enough. It would be enough if God just offered me his mercy and did not hold me to my sin debt. But beyond that, Jesus Christ came to die. And he has taken my sin and yours, those of us who believe. He's taken our sin and he's cast it as far as the east is from the west to remember it no more. And he has adopted us into his family. His mercy would be enough, but he doesn't stop there. He lavishes his grace and his love upon us. And he calls us his sons and daughters. And he provides for us an unbelievable inheritance. 
My minuscule mind can't comprehend such love. All the way back in the garden, God creates man, and he creates this beautiful garden, and he provides woman for man and man for woman. He just gives them one rule. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he even tells them why. If you do, you will surely die. So they're surrounded by beauty. They're walking with Jesus. They're walking with God in the cool of the night. They have everything they can need in one stipulation. Don't eat from that tree. And they fell. And death enters our world. And God in his great deep love for us looks at his son and says, will you go? And Jesus, in his love for the Father and his compassion for you, says, yes, I will. And Jesus steps out of heaven and he fixes what we broke. I broke my relationship with the Father. I did it. I couldn't fix it. But Jesus could. And Jesus did. That's beyond belief. Unimaginable. I chose that on purpose because of the depth and substance of what God offers us in salvation. That God would want me for eternity, knowing who I am and what I've done, is unfathomable. But that's the love of God. That's the unimaginable gift of eternal life. We don't earn it, but we need it. And knowing this, he makes it possible. So what's necessary to know Christ and to receive this unimaginable, undeserved gift of eternal life? Well, the answer is right belief. Right belief. All across our globe, there are people teaching wrong belief. There are people teaching false Jesus. We don't have time for the verses that I had on the screen We don't have time for those, but I'll just tell you this. John wanted us to have right belief. 95 times in his gospel, he talks about belief. He uses the term believe or belief or some derivative thereof. 95 times. He wants us to know the truth. He wants us to believe. And salvation comes through right belief. Even in the context, we didn't read it, but even in the the context of John 3, John chapter 3, you've got Nicodemus. He's a Pharisee. He's a religious leader. He knows and should know who the Messiah is, but you've got Nicodemus coming to Jesus under the cover of night with questions that are plaguing him. And the point is, Nicodemus knows some truths about Jesus, but he doesn't know saving truths about Jesus. He's interested in Jesus, but he's not willing to surrender to Jesus. It's right belief. It's right knowledge. It's the truth of who we are, that we're desperate sinners, lost and hopeless, unable to save ourselves in need of a savior. It's the truth of who Jesus Christ is, knowing and believing what the Bible teaches about him. He was more than just a moral teacher. 
Jesus is the virgin-born Son of God. He is the second member of the Trinity. He is 100% man and 100% God. He is the sinless sacrifice and only redeemer of mankind. He was pierced and placed on a cross. He died. He was put in a tomb, a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he resurrected. That is Jesus. He is alive, and he is your only hope. And if you disbelieve any of these truths about Jesus Christ, then you don't have the Jesus of the gospel. And if you don't have the Jesus of the gospel, then you don't have salvation. It's by what Jesus Christ did on the cross, everything that Jesus Christ did on the cross, and only what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that we have God's mercy. So it's right knowledge and it's repentance. It's turning from sin toward Jesus Christ. It's looking at whatever it is that you're holding onto that has your heart and then looking at what Jesus is offering you and realizing this is, this is so much better what Jesus has made possible for you on the cross. This is so much better than what the world has to offer. So repentance is me turning from my sin and the ways of the world and me being the Lord of my life and running to the open arms of Jesus Christ and receiving his mercy and grace. That's what salvation is. It's right knowledge. It's repentance and it's commitment. It's surrendering my will to the Father. It's the Lordship of Christ in my life. And when the Spirit of God calls you to him, you just simply receive. That's salvation. So when you understand your need for a Savior through that conviction of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's prompting, prompting, when you recognize that Jesus is your only hope for salvation, when you repent of your sins and turn to Jesus, when you receive him as Savior and Lord, then... You have believed unto salvation. Then you are his child. Then you inherit eternal life. So friends, we've seen in this passage the unsurpassed love of the Father, encompassed in the unmerited favor of the Son, culminating in the unimaginable gift of eternal life to those who believe. But what about those who don't? What about those who reject? That's the final truth that John gives us, and it's a hard truth, but it's the truth nonetheless. It's the unbelievable, the unbelievable rejection of God's grace. John is very clear in our passage that we read that there will be those who will love their sins more than they love the Savior. In verse 19, he says this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and the people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. It is hard for me to comprehend that anyone would choose to walk away from such grace and such mercy that it happens every day. Please hear me and hear me clearly. When you reject the Savior, you reject his substitutionary death for you on the cross. And by rejecting his sacrifice, you heap upon your own head the penalty of your sin for all of eternity. If you choose to reject the grace and mercy of our creator, then you, my friend, you have chosen for all of eternity separation from God and eternal death in the lake of fire.
God's word is very clear. There is a literal heaven and there is a literal hell. That's why Jesus died a brutal death on the cross. So if you choose to reject Jesus, please don't blame God. God did not send you to hell. You chose to go to hell. There is nothing more that God can do for you than to send his son and offer you his grace. That's all he can do. That's all he needs to do. So if you reject it, that's on you. I'm going to close with a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Theologians call him the prince of preachers. He may perhaps be the uh, most gifted preacher of the gospel outside of Jesus and the apostles. Charles Spurgeon said this, I believe that if I should preach to you the atonement of our Lord Jesus Christ and nothing else, twice every, every Sabbath day, my ministry would not be unprofitable. Perhaps it might be more profitable than it is. Friends, we preach to you Christ and Christ crucified for you on a cross to offer you grace and mercy, the unmerited favor of God made possible through the sacrifice of Christ. And what lies in store for those of us that are God's children is unimaginable riches and glory as children of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the truth of your word. So simple, yet so powerful. Father, most of us could probably quote John 3, 16, really probably the most recognized verse in all of Scripture, but really probably the most underappreciated verse in all of Scripture. That you would love us enough to send your Son. And Christ, that you would love us enough to every day live in obedience to the Father knowing how it would culminate in your death on a cross. Father, would you grant those that are in this congregation, would you call them one more time? You may have called many, many times, and they've rejected you many times. Father, could you show grace and mercy yet again? And by your Holy Spirit, would you call those that are lost to salvation? for your glory and for your honor.